0: You spend a third of your life on your career. Here's your permission to make it something you actually kind of like and not something you feel like you need to just endure. This is Justin and you're listening to So Curious About, a weekly podcast about creativity, marketing, and joyful living. And today I'm so curious about the creator economy, so I gathered nine thoughts on how to build your creative career. But before we dive in over the past 15 years i've worn every hat you can imagine as a creative professional i've had job titles like graphic designer web designer social media manager creative director director of marketing photographer illustrator and communications manager Hi, Key. if there was an opportunity to flex my creative muscles, I have always jumped at that opportunity, for better or for worse. And through the combination of personal projects, life experience, and meaningful self-work, I have my fair share of career advice for you, creative professional. In today's episode, I'm going to give you nine pieces of advice to help you stay inspired, focused, and productive in your creative career. You want to dive in? Number one, success can have so many different meanings for creative people, and you get to define what success means to you. Don't chase after someone else's dream. Instead, establish what success means for you and build a life you actually love. That might mean letting go of a specific job title or focusing less on breaking six figures if you prefer to prioritize work-life balance. It might mean committing to the hustle and grind for a specific period of time so you can become the high-powered executive you've always wanted to be. It could also mean working an easy job you don't love so you have the time to work on your creative interests without the need to monetize them. In life, there are no right or wrong answers. We just make decisions, and then based on the results, we make changes. So take all that pressure off and sit down so you can think about what truly makes you happy. Oof, let's sit in that. Take all the pressure off so you can think about what truly makes you happy. Number two, eat the frog first thing every single day. This aphorism originally comes from Mark Twain's quote, If it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it the first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. That is such a good quote. Like, (laughs) I love this phrase so much because depending on the season of my life, I can definitely be the type of person uh, that puts off the most important work and instead focuses on the things that feel the most fun. But this is an important reminder, instead of procrastinating, do the one task you're dreading first so you can get that out of the way. This frees up mental space and allows you to be more creative for the rest of the day. Now, in reality, I don't fully follow this. I'm a morning person naturally, and so my mornings are often found writing new content or doing illustrations. And I've kind of carved out that from 7 a.m. to 830 a.m., that's my time to do the things that make me the most happy and feel a little more creative. But around 9 a.m. as the day truly starts, that's when I do my most boring work, my most annoying or most mentally taxing things, because I'm fresh and ready to tackle something challenging. And I've learned over the course of my career, if I push those things to the end of the day, I actually won't get them done because Come two or three o'clock, your boy has shut down mentally like I can have a meeting. I can actually still draw a little bit, but like all of the most important work has to be done first. Number three, no one will advocate for you if you're not willing to advocate for yourself. Oof. This one speaks so much to me, uh, especially. I feel like when I am producing this content, I'm so focused on on giving the messages that I wish that I had heard when I was a younger creative. So it's easy to assume that people are hyper aware of your interests, your needs, and your expectations. But you have to remember that your coworkers and manager, they're dealing with their own set of goals and objectives. It's your job to remind them of the good work you're doing the growth that you've made, and the goals you have for the future. This comes up a lot in corporate culture, especially Uh, when you're working on a team focused project. There will often come times when you need to set some clear and healthy boundaries for yourself. And one tool that helped me was adding meeting blocks for deep work and lunch to my work calendar. Now, (laughs) let's be clear. I love lunch. I've I've never been the type of person that can, can feed themselves while cycling through emails. Like, I'm not trying to be sitting at my desk eating lunch. That is, that's gross. There is so much bacteria on your mouse and on your keyboard. That is disgusting to me. Like, actually, if you're the type of person that eats at your desk, please, please, please clean your keyboard and mouse every single day. Please. I'm desperate for you to do that because it's so gross. Um... That was an aside. Lunch for me is a beautiful experience where for, you know, like 30 to 45 minutes, I can disconnect from the rest of my responsibilities and fully reset before getting back to the hustle and bustle of the workday. But when I first moved to Austin, I worked at a company that was so meetings heavy that I barely had time to grab a glass of water, let alone have a moment to eat the second most important meal of the day. Is breakfast still the most important meal of the day, or was it just a campaign to sell more Kellogg's cereal? <laughs> but to combat this culture, I made sure to add calendar blocks uh, to my calendar. So, for example, I will put an hour on my calendar so I could catch my breath and refocus. I put an hour on my calendar to check my email, and most importantly, I put a 30-minute calendar invite for myself for lunch every single day at the same time. And I did this because when someone scheduled a meeting over my lunch block, they had to actively decide to do it, right? It was like, you looked at this and saw that this was the time that I had allocated for me to be able to grab a quick bite to eat, and you made a decision to put that meeting there. And when I accepted it very frequently, I would send a little Slack message, slightly passive aggressive but I'm not mad at it where (laughs) where I'd say so I guess you don't want me to eat lunch today do you and the thing is with the people that I was working with eventually they caught on right they were like oh this is a boundary for him Justin likes to eat his lunch and so they they sometimes wouldn't put the meetings over my lunch block sometimes they had to and it is what it is it's a busy industry and you have to work hard but I was teaching them how to treat me better because I was advocating for myself. Number four, you have to have an emergency savings fund, ideally in a high yield account. In the creative industry, even the most secure jobs can be volatile and you have to have money for a rainy day. So you don't have the financial pressure of being without a consistent salary if you're laid off, for example. Now, I am not a professional financial advisor, and this is not financial advice, but let me tell you, uh, most savings accounts are trash. Um, They charge you to hold your money as if they aren't making tons of money off the fact that they're holding so much money at one time, but... I, I switched my savings account to a high yield savings account and I became joyful every time I looked at my account because I would see that instead of like, you know, gaining a couple pennies a month that I was used to with other banks, I would see this extra 30 or 40 dollars a month. And as the account got bigger and bigger, the the number continued to grow. So it was like, oh, I made one hundred and ten dollars this month off of my savings. Like, that's wild. I'd never experienced that before. Now. This is my best uh, money non-advice I can give because I am not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice. Um, Live below your means. If you make X amount, spend less than what you make. And for me, I I like to to be really straightforward with it, right? Put ten percent directly into savings, and then live off the rest. And as you start to make more money, put even more money into savings. Like ideally, once you're making a, a really comfortable, once you're making a really comfortable salary, you should actually be able to put away twenty percent, sometimes thirty percent of your salary um, back into savings because you're you're still living below your means. This habit started for me when I was making twenty eight thousand dollars in my first job in advertising. I was literally sleeping on a foam mattress in my first apartment, uh, but I was saving my 10 percent every week, even though it was basically nothing. And I did that because I wanted to make sure that I was paying myself first. And that has stuck with me into my current big old age. And this principle eventually helped me to have my year of rest and relaxation where I took a 13 month sabbatical to write my upcoming guided journal, The Reset Workbook, that comes out on December 5th. The reason I was able uh, to take that time off, though, was because over the course of many years, I'd saved a lot of money i saved enough money to be able to give myself the freedom that I wanted for that period of time. Number five, no one can actually multitask. Everyone is lying about this. And technically some people can effectively multitask, but realistically most people are bad at it. Uh, I think that's a better way to say this. So for me, the best way to complete a project effectively and efficiently is to give it my full focus. I like to make a to-do list at the beginning of the week and take my projects one step at a time. This leads to higher quality of work overall and a defined sense of actively getting things done. Now, I know uh, different brains work differently, and for some people, playing a podcast while working on Excel helps them think better. But for me, I prefer working in hyper focused bursts, where I can zone in on a specific project, hopefully find a flow state, and fully knock it out. And to do this, I pursue the smallest amount of distractions as possible. But then, after these intense sessions of deep work, I stop progress and step away from the computer to take a real break, right? Like... Why would you take four hours to work on a task when you could really just focus for one hour and then spend three hours doing something you actually would prefer doing instead? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Number six, work hard enough to get the job done well, but not so hard that it directly affects your health or your relationships. One of the challenges of working in your zone of genius is deciding when to stop working. And I really wanted this episode to be focused on creative people and their careers because we love what we do. And it's important to create things that your client will love and that you're proud of. But sometimes pushing for perfection is a waste of energy and time. Sometimes good is good enough. So make sure to prioritize all the aspects of your life that matter to you, health, fitness, quality time with friends and family, self-care, your hobbies, because those matter just as much. Uh, One of the most interesting things I've seen in my creative career is that people that are single in the workforce are thought of as having to take on greater amounts of work because they don't have kids or a spouse to take care of. And let me tell you this in big, ball language. Uh, me going to grab ketchup drinks with my homies is important to me. Me having a quiet evening in my house, uh, listening to Michael Jackson's off the wall while I moonwalk through my apartment, that's important to me. <laughs> me having the time and space to disconnect uh, from the important work that I do so that I can come back joyful and refreshed is important to me. And the things that are important to me are the key to having true work-life harmony. So I'm going to advocate for my needs. I'm going to advocate for my needs every way that I know how whenever I can. Now, don't get me wrong. I might work a weekend or two. But best believe I'm taking a long weekend as soon as I can to make up for it. Uh, Sometimes you have to work to get the job done. And sometimes you get in the flow state and you end up overworking. But I think it's about really finding the harmony where some weeks your work will take the, the center stage and some weeks your personal life will take the center stage, and some weeks your health will take the center stage, but giving yourself the flexibility to move between those different states and allowing different things to have priority of importance depending on what needs to be important that week, okay number seven always ask for five to ten thousand dollars more than what they offered you now this is for uh the the full time people. After multiple rounds of interviews, it's easy to just be happy that you got a new creative job. But you could be leaving money on the table if you're not negotiating for more pay when you get the offer. It's always worth countering the offer to see if there's some wiggle room in the budget. And here's a somewhat bummer story that puts this into context because I learned this the hard way. When I got my first job in advertising, I just I just took the first amount they gave me. It was 28k and I still can't believe that. I made 28k and was able to support myself, which would literally be impossible today. Like it was it was not possible then, but it 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 would not be feasible uh today. <laughs> Hikey, I was barely supporting myself. I was sleeping on a foam mattress on the floor, and I was eating Wendy's four for four meals like uh, they were a gift from God. Because honestly, they were a gift from God when you're only making twenty eight k. But when I went to my next job, uh, they they tried to do the same thing. They they offered me twenty eight k as well, and I don't even think I considered it before I blurted out, "I need to make thirty six k so I can pay rent." <laughs> It was extra dramatic, too, because, like, it was so emphatic the way that I said it. And that was probably not the most professional way to communicate that information. And to be honest, I was immediately mortified. But they accepted my offer. Now, here's the annoying part. A woman that was also my friend, she started um, that same job around the same time as me. And she accepted the 28K. So two people, same job. One, a man that asked for an AK increase and a woman that didn't. That's messed up. The world should absolutely not be that way, that there can be that big of a pay discrepancy between two people, especially two people doing the exact same job. But it happens and it's up to us to ask for more money. The worst they can do is say no. They already want to hire you. Number eight, make time for creative exploration in your creative process. With a demanding full-time creative job, it can be hard to, to make time for creative exploration. But growth and development, that doesn't happen just by accident. It's a decision you have to make for yourself. And with tight deadlines and lots of projects, you actively have to carve out time to continue to grow in your creative career. So take time to create just because you want to create. Watch tutorials, go to conferences, connect with like-minded creatives. Inspiration is something you have to continually seek, even if it means doing it when you're not on the clock. This is a true difference to me between those people that are good and those people that are great. I've mentored so many creative professionals over the course of my career, and the major difference between uh, the people that were good and great is that the great are always practicing and learning. They enjoy it and they want to do it all the time. They're committed to their growth because they're passionate about this thing. Now, this last piece of advice is perhaps the most important, at least for me, and I feel like it it kind of piggybacks off the previous one. Number nine, if no one will hire you to do the work that you want to do, you can make it your side hustle or personal project. Sometimes the only way you can actually build experience is to commit to learning a new skill on your own time. This is the beauty and the challenge of being a creative professional. You need experience to get the job, but oftentimes in order to get the experience, you have to start on your own. It's a conundrum, but it's an easy conundrum to fix. If you're trying to break into a new field, you got to build new portfolio pieces that connect with the work you're looking for. And As a creative person, it's not really about the degree that's not going to get you the job. You know what I'm saying? You can build the portfolio. You can make the things and then you can search for contract work or create self-initiated projects that help you become better at your craft or at that specific thing. It takes a little more effort. It might take a little more time, but you can achieve anything you want because we are creators. We make things. And the beautiful part about all of that is when you make things, when you create these new self-initiated projects, it opens you up to a world of wonder. It opens you up to new and beautiful opportunities to be the person that you've always wanted to be because you are willing to make an investment in yourself. Okay, we did it. Nine thoughts on building your creative career. I'm thankful yet again to have the opportunity to spend a little time with you. You're pretty cool people. If you're feeling adorable, I would love for you to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're using right now. If it's Spotify, it's literally one simple click that could help get this podcast in front of new people. And if you're feeling super adorable, you can follow me on Instagram at Justin Made That. That's all I got. Let's chat next week. Bye.